0: Hi, my name is John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cash Talk. Today, I'm joined by a friend of mine, Nicola Hines. Nicola is a spying financial advisor entering her supervisory year as a financial advisor. She has a passion for helping people as early as possible to start their wealth creation journey so that they can spend more time doing the things they love. Nicola regularly provides financial educational content on Instagram, where she has got quite a following, and uh, of amazing financially savvy individuals. Everyone, Nicola.
1: Hello. Thanks so much for having me, John. I'm really excited to be here
0: yeah it's great to have you obviously you know me and you have been chatting for a while obviously um we talked about you know quite a few following on instagram and that's how i got to kind of know you and and we started to talk and obviously share our passions you know for helping millennial people or people as early as possible let's be honest really get there get on get on the road to you know financial success really um you know us both being kind of on the uh earlier end of our careers um for most people um you know, for us, it's a matter of teaching or educating people as much as possible to get on the journey with us. So, you know, I really enjoy your content. And for people that aren't aren't on Instagram, um, she has quite a following and it's a really, really good educational content. So if you're not on there, jump on there um, in the post and in the the distribution of this podcast and vlog, I'll I'll, I'll tag her uh, Instagram so you can go and follow her as well too. But um, enough about that. Let's get into some of the stuff that we really want to talk about on Cash Talk, okay? But um, it's it's really around millennials, your views on it. Obviously, you know, me and you are really are kind of in the in the, the front line of, of seeing how these things are changing, and and they have moved quite a bit, especially even in my you know two decades from where I started in the financial advice industry to now, things have changed quite a bit. And obviously, you know, you're really getting to the point where you know, it's advice ready for for, for, for you. Um, let's talk around your journey. Let's talk around getting into it. Um, it's, it's obviously changed for you. But you know, where did you start? How did you get into financial advice? Yeah, just speak to me about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess financial advice, I never really knew that it existed when I was, I guess, in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I finished school kind of classic scenario, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I always really enjoyed sort of math science subjects. So I loved working with numbers. Um, So leaving school, sort of like go and do engineering or go and do this maths degree, which I I wasn't really interested in pursuing because I really wanted to have, I guess, like a people-oriented job where I was helping people. Um, So I actually started studying nutrition, which is kind of, I guess, another passion of mine. Um, so I did that for a year, and I'm still really interested in it. Um, and I think you know, health and finance is definitely tie in all together. But I sort of realized I wasn't wanting to do that as my full time job. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I changed into doing teaching, high school teaching, um, and that was definitely an interesting experience. I did actually really enjoy it, um, mm-hmm. but I guess I couldn't really see myself in ten years time still doing that i just couldn't really see it being a future um and i think i definitely learned a lot of soft skills from that in terms of you know educating and like breaking Mm -hmm. down concepts um to a younger audience so it was definitely handy um Mm -hmm. and so i started doing a commerce degree i still wasn't 100 percent sure i was going to major in accounting and finance Mm -hmm. um and what happened was my parents have a financial advisor. We'd never honestly ever spoken about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one time they mentioned they were going to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, oh, that's cool. So I started sort of just researching a bit on the internet. And I was like, oh, this is actually quite a cool space because it's like a mm-hmm. good combo of numbers mm-hmm. and also being with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically I reached out to a few advisors that I sort of, new is in acquaintances and i just said can i come and chat to you for an hour buy you a coffee and ask you everything about what you do Mm -hmm. um and so i did that i literally left and i was like this is what i want to (laughs) do it was just sort of an overnight thing and it was kind of good timing my uni had just um started offering financial planning as a degree and so i switched my majors um Mm -hmm. and so yeah i ended up majoring in finance and financial planning um finished the degree um just a month ago um and yeah here i am sort of ready to get into doing my professional year
0: it's it's amazing that you went down such a different journey but for me they're kind of all related to get to where you are now like from my Mm -hmm. perspective like you know health is very very important you can be as wealthy as you can be but if you're not looking after your health what's it all for Mm -hmm. so you know that kind of nutritional understanding about you know doing that's very important i think the teaching element um you know you, I, I obviously see, you know, you're very much strong about education as well too. So, you know, you probably mm. did enjoy it much, but then to land where you was is is, is, is pretty cool. Um, mm. So, you know, I think that combination has been very, very good uh, actually. But what we mm. find is from, uh, like from, you know, someone who's been in in, in it for a while trying to attract talent into the financial advisory industry. What we probably find is that a lot of people don't know about financial advice, like their view of what financial advice and what it actually is, is two different things. And, you know, you probably saw that by going to speak to these people. And obviously, you speak to me about it. And obviously, you're even doing it now. But it's not a lot about the kind of trying to beat the market like people think we do, these kind of Wolf of Wall Street guys that do that. There's, mm. It's not a lot about like that stuff. What I fell in love with, and I, and we've talked about this before, is the impactful change you can have with an individual and the, the personal connections you have with people. Is that mm. what you found and is that what you fell in love with as well too? Was that the ultimate kicker or what was it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I guess when I thought about doing accounting, I mean, I did Mm -hmm. start working for an accounting firm Mm -hmm. and I pretty quickly realized Mm -hmm. um, this probably isn't something I'd love doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's sort of quite transactional. So it's Mm -hmm. like you come in, you see the client, you, Mm -hmm. you know, deliver Mm -hmm. um, whatever they require, Mm -hmm. but you don't really have that ongoing relationship in the same Mm. way you do as a financial advisor where Mm. you do know your client's personal life their money situation and you kind of develop quite a strong bond over Mm. um the years and i think that's what i really wanted to do because i was like i can help people and also be doing the technical side where i am learning so um yeah that was definitely something that excited me about the industry, I guess. Um, mm. And I think, I guess, like you said, not a lot of people know about it. So I feel like because it's predominantly career switching mm. industry mm. where people have come from different backgrounds, maybe they haven't even known about it until I've mm. sought out advice themselves. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely um, such a diverse range of like skill sets within the industry, which I think is awesome.
0: Yeah, it's great to see your excitement. Um, you know, a lot of people that know me know how passionate and excited I am about the industry. And obviously, you know, you, Nicola, having that passion as well, you know, for me is amazing that I can share that with someone. And obviously, we know a lot of people that share the passion. And for people that don't know about financial advice, I, I actually categorize it in two kind of occupational fields that have the most impact in someone's life. You know, it's it's the doctor performing heart open heart surgery that's saving someone's life from a health perspective. And you've got financial advice that if you get this life they right, they get a life that they've never expected before and absolutely change the life of them and generations to come. So we're in a pretty fortunate position and it's a great occupation. Oil. I jump out of bed for it. I love it. And good to see you do the same. (laughs) Now, talking about obviously off your journey and my journey and obviously how much we love it, um, let's get into some of the stuff that we work with in regards to millennials and what we see. And one of the ones that I want to speak about is some of the key struggles that you believe that millennials are faced with when it comes to their finances. Um, In regards to obviously, you know, you're putting educational content out there um, and people are kind of responding and they're kind of. What are you kind of feeling? And even in your network, what what are you feeling from these millennials of the major struggles?
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think it is a bit hard on the content side of things because obviously financial financial planning sorry, is quite Mm. big picture looking at the Mm. overall Mm. person's holistic scenario, which is very specific to them. Mm. So online it's sort of hard to, like I'm sharing little snippets of Mm. content, but I know that I'll never really be able to um, impact in the same way an advisor will so I'm sort of more focusing on the education side of things like raising awareness about investing cash Mm. flow um, and you know how to I guess build those habits early on. Um, I think some of the key struggles that millennials face probably the first one is that we do have a lot of information out there so it's like People want to get started, but they're almost paralyzed by the amount of information out there. And then they've got this coming from their parents and this coming from their friends. And there's so much information on the internet; it's like you can pretty much find information to support any belief that you have. So mm. um, it's sort of hard to kind of make those decisions.
0: Do you do you find that? Do you find that that information and where I was going at with those messages as well too is that? social platforms and even for me, my following as well too, has become like this um, like source of financial information, which isn't actually a source of information properly. Like yeah. today I was actually on a call with a, with a potential client, okay? And she was totally unaware that the ASX 200, it took from 2008 to 2019 for it to reach the levels it was pre-GFC. Like she was yeah. totally unaware of it. She's like, her actual comment was, well, that's not what they tell me on Instagram. And I'm mm. like, I had to literally bring up the chart. And this is what we're talking about, about this information. And th- and this is what I was kind of alluding to with messages. I'm finding that I'm getting all of this messaging. And the struggle is actually this information, one overload. And this also this, a lot of misinformation as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, yeah, that's the same thing. You have to be very straight up with like your DMs and things like that, because people will message me and like, what should I invest in this return? It's like, (laughs) I can't give you investment advice, because I don't know. I don't know anything about you. You're a stranger on the internet. And I don't know any of your goals and objectives. I don't know (laughs) what you're trying to achieve. I don't know what, what your risk tolerance is. I don't know any of these things. And I just have to reply and say, sorry, like, I can't.
0: It's so that um, old, I've uh, just got like, yeah. a quick, quick question. Yeah, if I did this and, and, and our brains, yeah. God, people that are viewing and listening, like that simple question has so many ramifications or implications mm. that could possibly happen. We're not trying to be mean about this. We're actually no. just understanding that the message we send, not only do we have to provide you with proper formal written advice, but
1: mm. that
0: impact of that advice, if we did it, which we wouldn't, but if we did the impacts could lead you in so many bad ways that it's better for us to just say, no, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're not going to even going to respond. So yeah. Yeah. Information's one.
1: Yep. There's no quick questions in financial advice. It's always a, you know, long conversation. So yeah, I think that was kind of a learning curve. Um, Mm -hmm. when I first started my account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another one that they face is millennials face. Sorry. Um, is I guess being quite time poor and so not really having that clear strategy um in terms of yeah just getting overwhelmed and then it's sort of just you put it off to next year and next year and next year and before you mm. know it um you've got kids and a mortgage and you still kind of aren't any further along than you were um
0: I was going to Same. say the time, the time poor one is probably even time choice as well too for some people. It's yeah. around the priorities, yeah? It's like uh, we want to create wealth, we want to do all of these things and we just want to make money. Well, in good times, it's okay. You can kind of – everyone can run a bull market. Everyone can kind of jump yeah. on the market when it needs to. But if you haven't set up, kept up to date with the risks, make sure you're protecting your backside – not necessarily needing to watch the stock market every day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm more going about keeping up to date and giving the attention that your wealth creation requires. Yes, definitely Mm -hmm. I see that there's not adequate time allocated, yeah, and therefore exposing a lot of risks, which can lead to potential struggles that people are facing, Um, maybe that they don't even know that they're facing. Mm,
1: Definitely. Um, And the third one I kind of wanted to touch on was... Um, I guess saving for a house deposit, you know, it's something that a lot of millennials, um, I mean, not all of them, some of them want to do. And it's just the house price to income ratio is, I guess, higher than it's ever been. So,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah.
0: I think, I think from my perspective on that one, it, it goes without saying that people... You know, we'll struggle to 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 get a house deposit at the moment, especially on those ratios. And I think that a, there's a lot of like intergenerational stuff. If they can be done, like obviously parents getting involved to help on deposit. There's obviously all these schemes that are happening, but the reality is, it's probably still not enough. Okay, the um, affordability of houses for many people is sometimes out of the out of out of reach. And I, obviously, I know that, and, and many people know that this is a major focus of the government to try and making sure that people retain, you know, the ability to purchase a home or, you know, the Australian dream, but it is does feel to be like a little bit out of reach from some people, but, you know, mm-hmm. don't lose hope, the, you know, the client that I was speaking to or the potential client I was speaking to today, we, we were nutting out some game plans and nutting out some scenarios and opportunities and, and it is a possibility to be achieved, but maybe we'll lead on to one that I did want to maybe ask you a little bit later, but I'll, I'll ask it now is, are you, in? you know, people around you are you starting to get the sense of that renting is becoming more of an option like it's just like you know purchasing a house is just too much for me to even consider i'll just rent and potentially just invest like and rent vest. is that is that mm-hmm. what you're finding
1: yeah definitely it's an interesting conversation that i've sort of had um with a few of i guess my mentors um yeah. Uh, I guess say from like my parents' generation, they're pretty much straight up like they think renting's a waste of money. So that's Mm. like the environment that Mm. I've grown up in and it's sort of taken a while for me to change my mindset Mm. to realising that's actually not true. And I think the Mm. community on Instagram is definitely growing to have more Mm. conversation around, you know, what there actually are a lot of expenses associated with Mm. buying and changing properties if you're going to move in five years. So Mm -hmm. I think renting is definitely, um, you know, Coming along in terms of it, people being more willing to rent. And I think, you know, the younger generations sometimes committing to a house feels like a lot. So mm-hmm. having flexibility um, mm-hmm. with renting is definitely a pro.
0: Mm. I think that, I think that from my perspective, I just some people may be forced to rent like it won't Mm. become an option like and and understanding that if you are forced to be in that situation it's okay like there's other ways to skin the cat many people will in the next probably 10 to 20 years unfortunately lose touch of purchasing a home which is pretty scary okay um i've got young kids it's a worry for me by the time they kind of get of age which most parents is you know i can work together on setting them up. That's that's the worry for most people, okay? Hopefully, I've planted enough good seeds that they don't need to worry about it. Shh, don't tell them everyone. Like, we don't want to tell them that. But the, rea- but, but the reality is, is we renting is not a bad option if you're also not wasting your money doing other things. And I think that's the biggest one. It's when you're renting, wasting your money, you can going to get into that snowball where you get so far behind of where you're going to be. But... Yeah. I guess if you are struggling, I think that brings onto you know another thing is that going to seeking for you know seeking advice and you know not being afraid to. I think the other one that I've I've, tended to, I've, I've started to see as I've delved more into the kind of the millennial space over the years is that there's a lot of people out there afraid to speak about their finances. They sometimes feel a little bit ashamed and. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, um, you know, especially for someone like me, I've seen it all. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it absolutely all. And um, if you're not going to get help or seek help, well, where are you going to be in five or 10 years? So, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's another one that's a really topical at the moment in regards to renting or buying. And there are options, especially at the moment. And I think it's mainly about just exploring those. All right. Um, the other one that I absolutely love um, that I want to speak about is the fire movement. Okay, um, I, jumping onto Instagram, and I haven't been on Instagram for a hell of a longer time, I actually thought it was only for purchasing bags and shoes and stuff like that, to be honest with you, and photos when I first knew about it. Realised it was much bigger than this and obviously then jumped on. But this whole new fire movement that I've seen, and there's a big community around that. Um, your thoughts on the fire movement? Um, I love it, but what's your thoughts on it?
1: Mm. I think it's still something I'm probably developing my thoughts on it um Mm -hmm. I think it just depends on the person honestly because Mm -hmm. you know I think it's good to want to be financially independent I think it Mm -hmm. just the thing that worries me is like when it goes to extremes you know Mm -hmm. if you're kind of depriving yourself of everything Mm -hmm. now in order to um be financially independent
0: Mm -hmm. um it
1: sounds great in theory because it's like I'll never have Mm -hmm. to work again but at the end of the day quitting your job even though even if you hate it Mm -hmm. it's like it's not going to solve all your problems you're still like it's sort of like once you stop working yes you have more time but what's your purpose in life it's like what are you going to get up and do every day so I think that it definitely I think it's specific to the person for example for me like I love my job you're probably the same so it's like I don't really feel a huge rush to get to fire because Mm -hmm. you know i want to have a balance of setting up myself for a financial future but also enjoying the now because you know we earn money Mm -hmm. it's like we also deserve to enjoy it Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think it just really depends on your goals you know if you Mm -hmm. want to become financially independent so then you can go and Mm -hmm. pursue this other hobby without having to rely on it as an income source then Mm -hmm. why not that's awesome um
0: well, maybe it should be that. Maybe yeah. it should be the choice too. So when we're yeah. working with when we're working with fire aspiring people, mm. it's unlocking the mindset exactly like you said to not deprive yourself, but being in a position to have the choice to retire early. And so yeah. this ability to have the choice too is exactly what you said before. You love what you do. I love what I do. Like for me to be able to just say, "Hey, that's it. I'm calling it in. I'm right. I'm retiring, and I'm done." <laughs> I'll yeah. go mad. Like literally my wife will be like, John, get back to work like ASAP, please. You're going to just send us <laughs> all mad. Um, and so, yeah, I think I love the fire movement for one specific reason. Mm. People are thinking about their tomorrow. Mm. And I must admit that before the fire movement, I thought a lot of people were just YOLO. Yeah, it was this mm. whole YOLO movement that I'm starting to see <laughs> this fire movement. And hopefully there's something yeah. in the- yeah. And yeah. I think that I would rather have personally people thinking about retirement because the biggest issue that I've got as a whole in society is that most people are living for today and not for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the scariest thing is that most people are going to rely on what they've got in superannuation from their employer contributions. Yeah. Honestly, mm-hmm. some people won't admit it, but they're waiting for the inheritance from the next generation, like, from the generation above them. And it's, that is very sad for that to be the case because I can tell you straight up, if you're just relying on employer contributions to make you through to retirement, you're probably not going to live a pretty good life in retirement. And mm. also, waiting on inheritances, well, a bit of uh, news, everyone, uh, the medical system's pretty getting pretty good, so people are living longer, um, and then when you want to mm. retire, is the next generation living to 100 plus, and therefore, when are you going to get that inheritance? Now, it sounds very yeah. morbid, but that's the, re- but that's the reality. Um, this is where we're walking into. So, I think having a good balance between yolo and fire, yeah, is probably mm. the sweet spot. Um, but yeah, I personally, I would rather people encourage a fire movement than than not. Mm. Okay, and, and dial themselves yeah. back.
1: I think as well, like having that plan is so valuable because then once you've got a guideline of how much I need to save if this is my goal then you can actually spend money and relax about it it's not like YOLO and then spending it and then being like oh my god I'm in all this debt and it's like crippling it's literally crippling and I think yeah as well I guess in Australia like they will continue to sort of move the age you can access your super up so at the moment, what it's 60 if you retire, 65, anyone can access. But that's you know, if you want to retire at 50, then <laughs> you need a fire plan because, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like you don't get the age pension till 67. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors to consider, but um, I'm definitely all for people taking charge of their finances and making a plan. So I think that's something we can agree on.
0: <laughs> that's it, that's it now. <sighs> I know that a financial advisor adds much value to a millennial. Okay. It's actually, if you want to see all over my marketing, it's all around millennial, 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 millennial. And for everyone listening, the main reason why I love that is because I know that I can add a lot of value to a millennial. They've got a, they've got usually a lot of moving pieces in their life. They're potentially looking to have a family or have a family. Um, And, they're also in that kind of sweet spot that if I kind of work with their mindset and their behaviors right, I can really kind of leapfrog them to where they need to get to. Now, I'm going to just ask you before obviously I talk too much of everyone on my cash talk <laughs> listeners know, um, where do you see the major value in, in engaging with a financial advisor in, as a millennial?
1: Mm, Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's mainly around building good habits early on because, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's not like you're going to go to a financial advisor and they're going to be like, look, we need to save everything. Everything's going in super. It's not like that. It's just like if you build these small, consistent financial habits early on in your life, your life is going to be so much easier down the track. And it doesn't because of obviously the power of compounding, it's like the more you can put in sort of early on, just that small amount consistently, it actually really does add up. And I think people can't, we can't quite comprehend the power of compounding. Like it's really hard to get your head around it. People think, oh yeah, your balance increases, but you know, compounding is pretty powerful. So I think definitely changing your mindset um, is is probably a key part and adding that bit of accountability as well.
0: Well, I was just going to say to everyone, Albert Einstein refers to compound interest as the eighth wonder of the world, okay? Um, And I actually say to my young boy, I said, son, uh, there's two magical things in this world. One is love and the second one is compound interest, okay? My wife starts laughing. She's like, John, stop it with this kid. Let him have a child. But... (laughs) The reality is, is that it is, it is a magical thing, compound interest. And um, if you get to understand it and gets to use it, it's a, an amazing thing. So um, yeah, I think having those habits and those behaviors early on is, is, is critical. I think the other one as well too, is maybe a little bit of a misconception. And you might hear this as well too, is I like, get a lot of people that even DM me that want to have a meeting, but don't really know if they're right to have a meeting is like, Hey John, I don't have any money. Like should i actually come see you now i just want to put on the record yeah a good financial advisor is someone who helps you get from where you are to where you want to be not where you are now and just cut your grass like i think there's a misconception that you need to go see a financial advisor once you've made a bucket load of money like mm. Do you sense to feel that? Because that's what I've started to feel in the maybe the last year or two that it's like, John, I don't know if I should come see you yet because I haven't made the money yet.
1: Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's like, yeah, it's sort of beside the point because I guess the point of a financial advisor is their objective to your life and they can zoom out and see the big picture. So sometimes people will just be quite narrow, focused on one thing, like, much i need to save or how much should i put in super or what should i invest in and that's only sort of one tiny part of their big picture strategy and if you can build that strategy and have a plan it's really powerful and yeah like having even in terms of the making money perception like some you know it doesn't always change things people get pay rises and they're earning really great money but they're just not really utilizing it. They don't have the right structures set up um, and they don't have a plan. So I think, yeah, the earlier you can do it, um, the better. But there's literally no downsides.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I tend to agree. Um, so you know, for all the listeners and viewers on here, I think. You know, working with a financial advisor as early as possible, um, you know, will get you to create good habits, good behaviours and really get ahead in life. And, and you know, if you're on that fire movement, hopefully accelerate it, you know, or mm. put some perspective in it. Um, I think the other one, like you said, is around having that good balance between lifestyle and, and financial advice uh, or financial outcome. Sorry. And I work a lot at the time about saying, hey, listen, I can make you as wealthy as possible, but you'll probably be miserable and try to really get that balance between happiness and 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 wealth creation. Um, I know you had a question for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do have a question for you. Um, I'm going to ask you because you have a lot more experience than I do, but this is something that my friends often ask me about. So they sit me down and they want to talk about finances And I'm waiting for all these detailed questions, but the main one I get is, what do you think about crypto?
0: (laughs) I knew it was going to be something about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The reality is, is that like you, I get asked this all the time and I'm probably talking on a daily, maybe twice a day. Like literally it's that regular, it's ridiculous.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: First of all, from the get-go, I am going to tell you that as a financial advisor, we cannot give advice on cryptocurrency, okay? Why? The reason why, it's not a financially regulated asset. So if you think about crypto, which may be the way that the financial services industry runs or you know the financial banking sector runs, okay, that's all cool and well, but that's kind of speculation, okay? Mm. So... We don't know that that's going to be the case. Now, as we're recording this right now on the 9th of December, 2021, okay, yesterday, Josh Frydenberg comes out and says, hey, listen, we're going to start regulating this. We're going to start putting in measures where people have to have financial licences to be able to provide advice on this. And Nicola, I don't know if you watched that yesterday, but literally that's where the space is today. Okay. Yeah. So, the government knows this. There's a the bit of a gap at the moment between the professionals who know about this stuff and the people that don't. And so these friends and these people that are asking, they're asking questions because they don't know the true source of information. And so mm. the government's trying to fix this. And what they're trying to do is create regulation, parameters, frameworks in play, and then potentially put it in this regulated space where I may be able to provide advice on it. Mm. Now, let's just, And I don't like crystal balling, everyone. So please, I'm just (laughs) going to go out of my comfort zone for right now. But let's say we have a crystal ball and the government kind of regulates this. And all of a sudden, like Josh Frydenberg has said, is we now have an Australian cryptocurrency. We're no longer using $50 notes, $20 notes. We're not transacting like that. We're new in this new cryptocurrency. What does that look like? Because I think people need to understand my view on what that looks like. Okay. So, my view on that is like tobacco, like alcohol, the government will stamp it out unless they tax it. Okay. Yeah. The biggest issue <laughs> why the government is getting in it, okay, is yes, to protect the consumer, but also to protect their revenue stream. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are naive enough to don't think that is the case, I can tell you right now it is on their top priority list to ensure that that is regulated so that they tax it, okay? Mm, Now, that will give good protection measures, but it will also regulate what's supposed to be deregulated, okay? Mm. If it's deregulated, it will also be banned because just so everyone knows, okay, You've got a $50 note, for example, of your Australian X dollars, we're going to call it. It's not real Australian dollars. It's your own version of it. That use of that money is actually illegal. Okay. You can't use that as legal te- tender to purchase stuff. Okay. The government would say that you're trying to go against the Australian system and they would make it illegal. So with where the government is factually saying things are going to be, and let's crystal ball and fast forward a couple of years and this has come in. Yeah. Well, then what do I think of cryptocurrency? Well, cryptocurrency as a technology is really integrated with the world we are today. It's utilizing the system. The old checkbooks and stuff like that is gone. The government's got their way to digitalize currency and digitalize money, yeah? They now know exactly where everything's going. They literally have a lens on every single transaction that's happening as we speak. We've gone from deregulation to complete regulation, okay? Mm. We now have financial people with licenses being able to give advice and we're now giving advice on an, a. am not even going to say the word, an asset or an item, yeah, that people speculate on. Now, as an asset class or as an item, at the moment, cryptocurrency does not derive an income. Mm. So the issue I have with it as we speak is that because it doesn't derive an income... It doesn't. It doesn't form the definition of an asset itself. So, yeah. Nicola, obviously at uni, what I studied as well, yeah, an asset is based. Oh, the value is based on its future incomes. Yeah. If it doesn't have any future incomes, it's not classified as an asset. So mm-hmm. my view on it at the moment is I'm still. I'm still not sold, yeah, on it as a wealth creation tool to get where it needs to get to. Like as a speculative tool, as an asset that you can kind of move with, yeah, there's a lot of money being made in trading the, the asset. But mm-hmm. for me to go out and tell people, hey listen, go and buy that. Um, you know you're, one, you're not going to hear that from me because it, would, it will constitute personal financial advice. Two, I've really kind of got to get it that I feel comfortable that it's in someone's best interest to be able to do that. And I'm yet to be convinced that it's in clients' best interest for them to to do it from a general sense. Now, I must put a caveat on this, everyone. This is general advice. This is not personal advice. And actually, I can't even advise if crypto is appropriate for you or not. Um, We will wait and see where the government plays this out. I hope that answers your question. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's always good to hear your perspective on it. I think as well when you touched on um, potentially the Australian government bringing in its own cryptocurrency, it's sort of like, then where does the value of, um, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Dogecoin, all the other five hundred currencies there are, mm-hmm. like where does that play out? So it's just yeah, one of those things we can't predict the future. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well you can well right now for right now the sources of information is you've got to be looking about how the governments are actually handling this. Okay. Mm. And the US government has has come out and said, Yeah, we're creating our own one as well. Like, you've got to think about like it's not a matter of are we going to be under a cryptocurrency kind of uh, system. I think that that we're heading there. I don't I, yeah. there's no indication to say that governments are not are going against it. It's just a matter of when we're in a world where we've got governments that have now got their own cryptocurrency, what stance do they have on other cryptocurrencies trading in their country? What history has told me is that they don't like it. Yeah. And they usually stamp it out. Well, the Chinese have gone as far as to ban it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's where my headspace is in in, in crypto. But like I said, we'll we'll wait and see how it plays out. I know a lot of people making a ton of money in in crypto. Um, Good luck to them. Uh, I wish them all the best. There's a lot of people making money in trading stocks as well. Good luck to them. And there's a lot of people flipping houses as well. So, you know, good luck to them as well too.
1: Awesome. Thanks for um, sharing your insight on that one.
0: That's all right. And usually on Cash Talk, I don't get asked questions, but Nicola said, I've got one that I need to ask you as a <laughs> question, so I should, have, I should have asked her what it was for. But yeah. to wrap things up today, and thank you for joining me, but what I want to know is where's Nicola in 10 years from now? Like, you know, where where are you? Like, obviously, you've got a massive passion for the industry. Where, where mm-hmm. would you like to be in 10 years from now?
1: Yeah, I guess this is something that I've sort of, I think about fairly often in terms of there being, I guess, two main pathways I can take in terms of one being the traditional financial advice route, which is Mm -hmm. where I definitely do want to go in terms of having clients, um, you know, probably working for someone else for a few years while I build up my knowledge. Um, You know, maybe in the future, I'll have my own Mm -hmm. business or um, a partnership with a couple of other advisors. Um, And, you know, that's obviously key what we've been speaking about, like having the personal relationship with clients really impacting people's lives. Um, seeing the tangible changes in front of you, of how much of an impact you can make. Um, but then I guess there's also the financial literacy space because obviously advice isn't really scalable from a personal sense. There's only so many clients you can see one-on-one as one advisor. And so then I sort of think about, well, who else do I want to impact and do I want to help your average people learn more about financial literacy and about money? Um and so, I guess in the future, I'd I guess want to keep on building my platform and pre- perhaps release more a bit more detailed educational material rather than just being like Instagram posts and stuff like that. But something a bit more around like eBooks or courses, where um, you know it's not going to be personal advice, of course, but it's going to be a way that people can learn about money, learn about their finances, um, and sort of even build up that. Um, Pre advice knowledge. So when they get to a point where they want advice, um, they're sort of ready for it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, I think there's that kind of motion in there that I hear that you're kind of feeling where the industry's gone, which is like more like a done for you program where, you know, this, this really one is like, you can see Nicola's passion, which is mine as well, too, around this whole kind of a little bit more than DIY. It's like in the middle. Yeah. Where it's like you're not by yourself, but if you can kind of have some guided, educational financial literacy most people in my industry would love it because we know that most people's most people's successes financially happen due to the behavioral side of things and the financial literacy of those individuals so you know I, i'm sitting back and watching it um, from afar nicola and um, you know i'm loving what you're doing and hopefully from 10 years we're, we're seeing that all come to fruition so um for, thank you very much for joining us on cash talk. And, uh, for everyone, I will leave her details in the, um, in, in on, uh, all the, all the platforms we share this on. And, uh, once again, thank you, Nicola, for uh, jumping on.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, John. And thanks everyone for listening. Um, I really enjoyed this episode.
0: But have a good one. Cheers.